I'm your host, David Nage. This is Baselayer, where institutional investors come to learn about crypto. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the Baselayer podcast series are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of ARCA, where David Nage is a principal. ARCA is not responsible and does not verify for accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast series available for listening. The primary purpose of this podcast series is to educate and inform. The podcast series does not constitute financial advice or other professional advice or services. Please do your own research. This podcast is presented by Blockworks Group one of the best digital asset, event, and media production companies that I know of. For exclusive content and events that provide insight into digital assets, visit them at blockworksgroup.io. You won't be disappointed. Welcome back to Baselayer. This is David, and this is your new episode with Alex Dreyfus, the CEO of Socios and Chills. This is a great conversation about a project that I've been watching very closely for a while. We're living in a world where we can no longer go to sporting events throughout the world, and Socios is a company out there that has worked to create something called fan tokens with Chills. And so this idea that if you cannot go to a game, but you still want to be a part of that, if you want to be part of your your favorite club, whether that's Juventus, FC Barcelona, some of the biggest soccer and football teams in the world that they are working with, you have the ability to pick the team's jersey, to pick the team's intro music, to have a cutout or a picture of yourself at the team's uh, practice uh, pitch or whether at the game. This is something that's really unique and something quite special. And so you're going to learn all about what they're doing there and about all the different uh, teams and different leagues that they're working with and how that actually works. I will say that Arca, the firm I'm currently at, does have a relationship with Socios. And so, again, this is out of transparency. I believe in that. I believe that's important for all of us out there that are doing these podcasts to provide that. So remember, nothing on my show is investment advice, so please do your own research. And on the flip side, you're going to hear a great conversation with Alex Dreyfus, the CEO of Socios and Chills. Enjoy. This is David, and this is your new episode of Base Layer. One I am really excited about. I have Alex Dreyfus with me today. He's the CEO of Socios and Chili's with me. Well, that's quite nice in the world that we're living in today. It's nice to be able to have a little bit of peace and some uh, nice landscapes to look at, and uh, I can definitely appreciate that. Uh, I'm currently looking at the forest, the woods in Pennsylvania. Uh, getting away from major metros as uh, obviously COVID has been affecting all of us. We're going to talk a lot about that later uh, because some of the things that you have been working on actually relate specifically to the issues that have ravaged this world with COVID. But before we get too deep into Socios and Chili's, one of the things that we always love to do is when we have a guest on, how did you get into this world? Uh, how did you get into this world of digital assets, of tokenizing, of blockchains? Tell us a little bit about before and then kind of what inspired you to really delve deep into this. I'm French with this accent, obviously. Mm-hmm. I've, been working, uh, I've been working in the internet, internet space since 1995. 
I, I am what we call like an internet entrepreneur or whatever. And since 1995, I created several internet companies, uh, started from a web agency, uh, then a city guide that was sold to Carrefour, the retail group in 2000, 2001. And then uh, I moved into the online gambling space uh, with a couple of ventures. Um, and the last one was sold to a Las Vegas listed company called Scientific Games. Um, it was in 2012. Then with the proceed, uh, I reinvested in different ventures that were mine only or mainly mine. Um, and we move into the, uh, I was quite a lot actually in the poker space and I still mm -hmm. own actually a, a poker related business, which is the, the ranking of poker players. And when we had this ranking and still have it, we, we did an event that was, that was called the Global Poker League, GPL, which was like an esports kind of American franchise version of poker, where we had 12 teams with the New York Rounders, the Las Vegas Moneymakers, and we had different teams that was competing against each other. We raised money for that. We did one season. It was on Twitch, on Facebook. was 2016, something like that. And... Over one year, we had 400 hours of content, live content, 180 matches, 72 professional players, the best players in the world. But we had a lack of fan engagement and fan monetization in our own sports that we built. And there was a couple of reasons for that. First, the poker is dry. It's a bit boring uh, in many ways. So it was difficult to make it exciting more than the traditional game. But also, we were a sports product and we didn't really know how we would be able to monetize this audience that we have. So we started to brainstorming, uh, to brainstorm. We started to think about how can we engage and monetize these fans. And the more we were thinking about what we should do for us, the more we realized that what we can do for us can fit others. Mm -hmm. And it took us 18 months before really deciding to say, you know what, let's do it. Um, and eventually, two years and a half ago, so early 18. So after the craziness of the uh, end of 2017, um, we started to build a project, venture, whatever you want to call it, called Cheese. Mm -hmm. We raised a significant amount of money through private placement in Asia, mainly Asia. Mm -hmm. And two years and a half after, here we are, uh, 65 employees or almost 70. And, 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 we, and I will explain what we do, but two years and a half after, we are, I hope, one of the most comprehensive, I would say, mainstream blockchain project that exists beside wallets and exchanges. Um, wow. And that comes mainly, and that's why it's important, it comes from our own need. Uh, it was really us that, that needed something. And, the, and because we, we challenged ourselves and we were saying, no, that's crazy, that's stupid. Uh, the more we were working on that, the more we realized that, oh, it is so stupid that we should do it. Uh, and usually that's how we like to, uh, to engage. That is a great story. So let's talk about Socios, uh, powered by Chili's. Um, it is a fintech platform for fan engagement and fan monetization of sports teams. It's a consumer-facing product using blockchain technology, as we alluded to, and we're going to talk more about that specifically. What I'd love for you to talk about initially is the growth and the partnerships that you've been able to strike thus far for me and for others that are listening out there around the world, soccer, although it's mostly called football, obviously outside of the United States, is the largest audience out there. Uh, obviously, it is a global sport 
And the World Cup is always something that brings the nations of the world together because everyone plays the game, the beautiful game. And so you have FC Barcelona, one of the largest, you know, obviously clubs out there with Lionel Messi, Paris Saint-Germain, another one that is incredibly important out there, Juventus with people like Ronaldo, West Ham, AS Roma, Atletico Madrid, and many others. How did you get to this point of getting such amazing teams to really embrace this so fast? Uh, that's uh, you, you don't have enough uh, memories in your uh, podcast to actually for me to explain everything. <laughs> but let's try let, let's try to make a summary out of it. Uh, let's go back again actually to the genesis of what we do because that will explain why we managed to work with these guys. Um, 99.9% of sports fans of a team are not in the city or even in the stadium of the team that they are supporting. You are based in New York, you are based in Pennsylvania, you are a fan of Barcelona, yet you probably never been to Barcelona. You are watching them on, uh, on uh, TV sometimes, you, watch, you, you follow them on Twitter, etc. But in the stadium, you have, what, 50,000 people, 90,000 people. Mm-hmm. There is a plateau. You will never have more than the, these people in the stadium, obviously. Uh, and yet, they have 200 million fans, 300 million fans, whatever that means. It's obviously not active fans on a daily basis, mm-hmm. but people that are exposed to their brand and have an effect to their brand. And what we are trying to do and how we started to engage with these brands exactly now two years ago, a little bit more than two years ago, was, hey, you have this amount, uh, this incredible amount of fans all over the world, but you do not monetize them on a B2C level. You know how to sell them jersey, sure, but most of them are fake anyway in Asia, so you cannot really scale in Asia. You're not, uh, OTT, people don't pay OTT uh, as like, as an extra fee on top of what they pay for their ESPN stuff in US or, or other brands. Uh, you have, you have uh, ticketing, this is Plateau. Uh, you have um, uh, sponsoring, you can have many additional sponsors every year, but again, same story, at some point, you, there, is more, there is no more uh, real estate kind of to sell uh, in terms of sponsoring and in terms of broadcasting, right? Uh, even though right now it's very high, there is a trend that is being immersed actually because of COVID-19 that it may, in the next three to five years, start to, to, uh, to go down. Mm-hmm. And yet, your players are more and more expensive. Your uh, structure is more and more expensive, etc. So the question is, what can you sell to your fan all over the world that is valuable enough for them to engage and that will also bring them value? And our view on that is very naive and slightly crazy because we think that what is the most valuable thing for a fan is to be recognized and to be listened. Mm-hmm. And how can you recognize David uh, or Dave in, uh, in Pennsylvania and how can you make him the feeling or giving the feeling that he's listened? It's by giving him or selling him something that we call a fan token. The fan token is a concept that we brought uh, two years ago now, uh, which is for each of these teams. So let's say Barcelona. You as a fan can buy or get for free or whatever, but you can have at least, at least one fan token. And this fan token is a right to vote on certain decision of the club. Of course, the decision of the club are not related to the management of the club. That would be naive to think that at least today, but it's more like fan related. And we're gonna talk about that after. But the idea is that you, anywhere in the world, you are in the US, you are in Japan, you're in Taiwan, you're in a second tier city in Latin America, suddenly your favorite team to which sometimes you may have even a tattoo 
or you have like, you are so crazy about it, suddenly you have a share of influence into the team that you're supporting. And we, as a company, we manage to convince all of these major teams to actually provide this share of influence and to tokenize it by creating what we call, as I said, fan tokens, mm -hmm. which have a limited amount of pre-minted token for each teams. And the more you own tokens, the more voice you have. But of course, for in terms of integrity, you cannot buy all the tokens and there is a cap in terms of voting, meaning that even if you own, let's say, a, a, a thousand token, mm. uh, you cannot vote for more than, uh, or the weight of your token is not more than 200. Because of course, we have to balance the fact that you're going to have whales. And that's even in the traditional sports, forget about crypto, it's just whales, people who are fanatics and will put more money because they have more money. Mm -hmm. And the more casual fan that want to put $30, $50 and still want to have access to the same service. Right. So, so that's, yeah, sorry. Yeah. So let, let's talk about what the fan token actually does. One, it's fungible. Um, and I want you to just to talk about that very briefly about what that means. But two, it allows certain things like voting on team jerseys. I would love for you to discuss some of the other factors and some of the other features that the fan token allows the holder to do. Yeah. So the, the, fan, the fan tokens are the foundation of what we do. So as you said earlier, we are working with uh, Barcelona, Juventus, Paris Saint-Germain, Roma, Atletico Madrid, Galatasaray in Turkey, very big as well. Uh, in Latin America, we have uh, one of the biggest teams in, um, in Buenos Aires. We work with some esports team. We are coming in the cricket space, basketball, baseball. Uh, and our, our goal is really to, to be uh, a marketplace at some point uh, that has a significant network effect with all of these teams and have 50 teams by the end of the year and more than 100 next year. Now, you as a token holder, um, you own 50 tokens of PSG and 20 tokens of Juventus, for example. Juventus is the one that actually has been the most active. And let me tell you what they did. The first uh, poll that they asked was, hey, guys, what music do you want in the stadium every time we score a goal? And that sounds, that sounds silly. But for the last eight years, it was the same music in the stadium that was played every time that there was a goal. Mm -hmm. And that music that is both... Her, that is actually heard in the TV, heard in the stadium, and heard even in the video game that is provided by Konami, in that case, with uh, Pro Evolution Soccer, this music hasn't changed in eight years. Mm. And what is the best thing you can ask your fans, which are the guys that eventually is going to leave this, is, hey, the music of that. So they did that. They did, uh, we, we did that in December, January. It has been voted on the blockchain, on our platform, so it's all transparent. And then eventually it was released and it was released not only in a day uh, where Ronaldo scored three times and the team uh, ended up uh, doing 4-0. So the music was played four times in the stadium, so everybody got it. But there was also a ceremony before the match to explain, uh, to explain what, uh, what changed and how it worked. And it happened again yesterday. Yesterday, if you go on the, on the Twitter of uh, Juventus, um, Juventus asked their fans, or should I say their fan token holders, they asked their fans, hey, uh, choose this, uh, between these four icons or logos uh, that uh, we have uh, pre-selected for you. And the one that you choose is going to be our new icon in our jersey and, we, and, uh, and it's going to be uh, more or less everywhere. Nice. The fans uh, did it. The fans voted. They didn't vote the one I wanted, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, the fans voted. And yesterday they released, uh, not only it was released before, but yesterday they released that 
the, the jersey with that logo is now available in their shop. And they also released that on the uh, Pro Evolution Soccer, so the game that has been uh, downloaded 200 million times. Mm -hmm. They have changed the jersey with that logo and they have wow. changed the music, the music as well. So that's the kind of small little thing. Ba ba Barcelona, for example, they asked the 22nd of June when we launched the Barcelona token, they asked their fans, hey, what uh, message, uh, and it's more like, a, let's say, a big poster, uh, do you want to have in the dressing room of the players, which is the room where the players, of course, dress, but it's the room where they, they go to the pitch or before they go to the pitch. So it's mm -hmm. literally, you know, the, the men's room where everything happens. Yeah. And for the first time ever, the fans had a say on what design they can put in that dressing room. So that kind of small things, which are small things, and you can argue that, yeah, but they are, they are um, insignificant. But that's not true because in the eyes of the fans, suddenly you exist. And going back to my point of being acknowledged, till now, David is an anonymous follower on Twitter. He's someone who bets uh, sometimes illegally, sometimes legally on a sports betting platform uh, about the teams that he likes. But it's, again, not connected to the team. You may have a jersey or Barcelona or Juventus, but the team doesn't know that uh, because you bought it in a whatever shop uh, somewhere. Um, and in 2020, the question is, what is a fan? And actually, a fan is a very fragmented uh, definition because, again, whatever you do in the US will be different than people do in Asia, and that's what we do in Europe and Latin America. And the relationship you have with the brand is different in every different territories. And the clubs do not embrace that. For them, they have more or less one pack of fans. And historically, it's the fans that are in the stadium. But nowadays, they are global brands, if not the most global, uh, global brands that exist. And they have a lack of scalable digital monetization. And mm. that's what we pitched to them two years ago, saying, hey, our job and our goal is to try to create something that didn't exist before and to monetizing this share of influence uh, everywhere in the world and then building utility and services around that. Wow. Yeah, we're going to talk more about this as a, as a narrative, but especially in the, in the days where fans cannot go to the stadium now and really be a part of that experience. And as anyone has ever gone to a football match knows that it is a very special experience where you hear the music going on all throughout the match, where you hear the chants it is heartbreaking for many fans, obviously, around the world. And there are millions, if not billions, out there. And so this idea of giving them some sort of touch, some sort of, you know, kind of connection with the team again is something that I think is quite special. So we're going to talk more about that, you know, as it relates to COVID and everything that's happened in the world. Let's talk a little bit about the, the technology under the hood. So this is built on the Ethereum chain. And I'm kind of curious, why was that chain selected? I'm guessing that it has something to do with the ability of smart contracts and the ability of creating kind of these NFT type of tokens. Um, and also, what does the governance stack look like? So uh, we will go back on the business of sports a bit later. Um, in terms of tech, so we technically, I will say, that we have two things. Chili's, which is our uh, token, uh, is an ERC-20 on the Ethereum mainnet. The fan tokens and the, let's call it the Chili's chain is a, technically it's a fork, let's say, of Ethereum. Uh, it's, we are using parity, I think, uh, for, for that. Um, but we are using um, a proof of authority chain 
using Ethereum as a technology, but not the mainnet, mm-hmm. uh, for a couple of, for a couple of reasons. Uh, well, many reasons. The first one is, of course, the community, the developers, the documentation, the stability, uh, and having something that at least two years ago existed and uh, was able to work, and then we had to tune it a little bit, but it's something that works. Uh, that's number one. Number two, um, each token is indeed, so we, we use uh, smart contracts for two, I mean, in, in two very specific cases. Uh, the first one is, the, of course, the issuing of the uh, assets, which are on this chain at that point, for now at least. And uh, we, need to use, we need to prove uh, through the smart contract that, of course, there is a limited amount of tokens, etc., etc. But the most important part, I will say, it's because of the voting. I'm mm-hmm. telling you, as a fan, that you, are, you have a voice. You want to be sure that, I'm, that it's not rigged and, I, and I'm not tricking you, especially that I'm asking you money for that. Um, so uh, the, the voting part, and uh, we, we developed some smart contracts for the voting part uh, that were important. The third point, and that's actually today the most important part, we are the opposite of all the decentralized projects that you may uh, or that you are talking every single day to, because our priority it's not to prove to the world that decentralization is the future. It's not, by the way, uh, but it's first and foremost to focus about creating a product that is usable and have users. Um, and then we will improve, back to your question of governance, how we can make that better. But instead of trying to make the best governance platform, we're going to try to have a million users or 10 million users, real mm-hmm. users. I'm not, I'm not talking wallets. I'm talking users. Um, and um, today, the way we envision our, uh, our chain uh, as it is today, today, as I said, it's a proof of authority chain where we, as a company, of course, we are part of it. And eventually, every club that we sign become a node, a, a node, a validator, whatever is the mechanism. But imagine that in uh, two or three years, when we have hundreds of clubs or more, then each club become a validator of that ecosystem. And when I say club, it's actually not clubs, it's IPs, because we, we, we are going in the entertainment space as well. We have athletes, idols, music, etc. So everybody that has a big brand or a semi-big semi brand can be part of this ecosystem. And eventually, it's not, hey, Google sign Hedera or we sign Samsung. No, we sign Barcelona, we sign Juventus, people that actually are going to bring value to the chain. Uh, in a much better way because they, they bring users to the chain, which is not the case of, unfortunately, most of the other partnerships that you see right now. So for us, we, we, we are very much, cent- I mean, we are not as decentralized at all as people would love to, but we are focusing much more in the utility and the use case before trying to make efforts on, uh, on the decentralization. And that's also triggered by a very simple reason is, all these big brands we are working with, um, they are obviously massive uh, household brands. And um, if I was issuing their token, which are technically ERC-20, except that they are not on the mainnet, they are on our platform, I mean, mm-hmm. on our chain. But if I was uh, to issue a Barcelona token today on the Ethereum mainnet, there will be always a smart guy that's going to create a gambling uh, product where you can gamble uh, the Barcelona token against the Juventus token and whatever. And that's absolutely not what the brands are uh, looking at right now uh, for legal reasons, for branding reasons, and us for us as a narrative. So at that point, we need to protect the IPs that are uh, on bordered in the ecosystem to ensure that actually they are excited about it. Because if we win uh, the, 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 the relationship from day one because there is someone that's going to just use that to create an illegal gambling platform, then it's not cool. 
I would love to get your opinion on this. So this is a, a paradigm shift in terms of the overall kind of capital stack, in my opinion, and, you know, obviously some of the opinions of colleagues at my firm, that in the past, for instance, <clears throat> you would have, you know, an Amazon Prime membership. That did not mean that as well as Amazon did, you would benefit from that per se. That would just mean that obviously if Amazon, which they have added Whole Foods, added movies, et cetera, et cetera, that that seven, eight, nine, $10 a month fee would then give you more access to more resources. But it would not mean that it would give you any kind of incentivization or enumeration if Amazon continued to do better. Obviously, then you can switch and say, okay, well, Amazon equity holders would be able to benefit from that, but they would not be the benefactors, or would they necessarily be given access to an Amazon Prime membership? Although you know, it can be speculated that many people who are Amazon equity holders probably do have an Amazon Prime membership. Talk to us about what you've done here, because this is basically a, a completely new paradigm shift where the holder of the, the token also is kind of the benefactor of the type of business that you're created. So, yes, I mean, uh, I will not talk about benefits or um, I will talk about benefits more in a, as a utility because obviously we are careful both about the language we use, but also the message we are sending. Um, uh, interestingly, Juventus, AS Roma, Galatasaray, and uh, probably another one that I don't remember, uh, these three companies are listed companies. And yet, despite the fact that they are listed companies in three different jurisdictions, uh, we, we launched tokens with them because I will say that, you know, in the US, you have the, um, you have the Green Bay Packers, where mm -hmm. the teams, the NFL teams is owned, by, uh, owned and managed by the fans. And that's the only one out of all the franchise uh, today. And in Europe, uh, we have some, depends on the country, you have some, um, I will say, mechanisms like that that exist in Spain, in Germany, and few other countries. Um, the reality, at least for us, our narrative is very clear. Is what we are tokenizing, it's, not the it's definitely not the equity of the company. It's definitely not the share of the company. It's not related to the revenue of the company. It's not even related to the performance on the, on the pitch of the company because the fact that the team is successful or not, even though it could impact one way or another uh, the token because of the fan sentiment, there is not a direct correlation between a result tonight and the fact that the token is going to move uh, one way or another. Now, on the other end, this, what, as I said, what we are tokenizing is this share of influence, which is a complete new vertical that we indeed try to build. Is, we, we try to call that a new, it's, for us, it's a new digital, uh, I mean, it's a new class a new digital asset class uh, mm -hmm. where we create something that didn't exist, which is this voice, this recognition, this membership-ish program. And we are trying to create that from scratch. We are trying to create, to add or to create value uh, to it by adding more and more utility, more benefits. And, and you will see what we will launch in the next few weeks related to a, a, a debit card and related to a ranking. Uh, so we're going to gamify that a lot. We're going to, give you a lot of value uh, through the debit card mechanism as well, where the more you spend, the more points you get and the more value you get into your uh, token. So that's going to be very interesting. Uh, but we, um, as a, and it goes back to your point about Amazon. Today, a Juventus shareholder, 
that is listed in the Milan Stock Exchange, doesn't have a say about the music in the stadium, doesn't have a say about the logo that's going to be on the jersey, and doesn't have a say on anything except the General Assembly, which is about the accounts of the company, about mm -hmm. the board approval, and uh, whatever uh, acquisition or uh, dilution or whatever. So we, we also believe that we should not, and that's a very different way uh, with Americans. In, in US right now, most of the sports initiative that I've read, you know, with uh, Spencer, uh, Spencer, I think, DVD or the, the, the NBA guy and, and, and few other guys and few other uh, people, it's always about money, 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 money. We're going to tokenize our uh, contract that's going to become a securities, etc. In the rest of the world, we, and, and you see that in Asia and you see that in Europe, most of tokenization is more about utility, not at all about securities. Yep. Uh, and I spend most of my time in Asia and the topics that are uh, um, uh, told, I mean, uh, told in Asia and US are so different and it's incredible. Um, but for us, we believe that we should not educate fans about the ROI or the PNL of a sports team. Because yeah. at the end, as you know, uh, with every franchise, every franchise in US is owned by a billionaire. That's, uh, uh, I, I liked in, uh, in billions in the TV show, they were saying mm -hmm. that it's like kind of, a, of the uh, modern knights. Uh, it's like uh, if you own a, a franchise, it's, uh, you, you, you're a knight, in, uh, you know, in, um, in, in the, uh, I mean, mm -hmm. no one is. And for, for, for us, being a shareholder of a team doesn't bring any value because the concept of being a shareholder in a team is usually to lose money because you want your team to, uh, to win and yeah. you want to reinvest more and because you can afford to lose more money. Yeah. Um, on the other end, and that's why we think it, it's not fair to the fans to push them into that uh, scenario. We think that creating something that is completely new, and because personally, as I said, I've been in the internet space since, since uh, 25 years now, I do believe that technology should be used to develop something that didn't exist before, not to replace something that exists already. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and, and that's why, for, for at least in our vision, in my vision, our approach is really about creating a new utility, a new usage using that technology and giving something that didn't exist before to the fans. And that's really our focus. I completely agree. I love that. And as a point of, of reference here, if anyone from the New York Mets organization is listening to this, as a diehard fan since 1986, I would love the New York Mets, if you're listening to this, the Will Pond family or anybody who's associated with the Mets, start to talk to Alex and the guys at Socios because... I can't stand these black uniforms, you know, these old, you know, they're from the nineties. They were just, you know, yeah. Mike Piazza wore it and it looked cool around, you know, 1999, 2000, but these jerseys, you know, give me the, the pinstripes, the blue and orange pinstripes. Let's not, you know, get cutesy with all this new stuff. You know, look what happened to the Marlins and all the different jerseys that they created. If you're any part of the New York Mets and you're listening to this show, please, you know, there are hundreds and thousands of millions of fans out there throughout the country and the world that would love to be a part of this. You know, obviously the players get to pick their own music. That's their thing. But there are many other things that we could do. You know, as I said, as a diehard New York Mets fan, please, you know, if you are out there and you're listening to the show and you can talk to Alex and the guys at Socios, please do that. Um, now, I want to get back into the the world of sports in a COVID world. And so there's a few things. One, I want to hear about the growth. I can imagine that, as I said, fans cannot go into the stands these days. And it, that might be for a very long time. Everyone's talked about the, the vaccine. And when that comes out, that the, the things may change. That might not happen. 
Uh, you might see social distancing practices there, so you can't have a full stadium of fans. We don't know what's going to happen. But I would love to see and hear kind of what you've been seeing on your side in terms of the growth, especially in a COVID world. And then very importantly, there is this idea and this concept that you've built called PASS. And uh, I want you to discuss this idea of proof of immunity. So there is a lot of topics here. Um, so COVID-19, so first of all, don't forget that we are, even though we are two years old or a bit more uh, company, uh, our product itself is more or less six or seven months. So uh, in, in terms of product growth, uh, obviously when you start from zero, it's pretty easy to have a significant growth. So it's not really uh, re relevant. Having said so, uh, the, the reality, I mean, the, the fact I uh, will say uh, behind the stories the or the following. Uh, before March, um, the clubs were super rich, never been ever disrupted in the last 50 years in their life. They always made more money every single year, thanks to sponsoring, TV, internet, whatever is coming, it's make them more money. And suddenly, for the first time ever, even after during, I mean, yeah, more or less since the, uh, the World, uh, World War II, um, this club suddenly has to cancel a few months of uh, events, which never happened. Uh, and when they start again, which is not the case, not in the US, but in the rest of the world is the case, um, uh, they, they do it with uh, no, no, almost no fans. Actually, no, we had our first match uh, last week with uh, 5,000 fans. In, in one, um, in one uh, case in France, but it's the same in a couple of other countries. Uh, and, um, and not only they lost, so not only they lost three months of revenue, it's about three, four or five months of revenue, but they also lost their match day revenue, which is triggered by the ticketing, the FNB, the merchandising uh, during uh, the, 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 these events. But also their sponsors lost billions of dollars because when you have the main sponsors of this industry that are either airlines, hotels company, uh, banks, uh, and everything, suddenly everybody lost money. And by definition, when you have to cut some uh, uh, fat, you're going to start by uh, your sponsoring. So all the sports industry uh, is being disrupted for the first time ever. And that's a bless. That's a bless for us. That's a bless for a lot of people because it makes the clubs or the teams more humble. Uh, they are more than ever realizing the fact that Till now, they were focusing on the fans that were in their stadium, but they were never really like super mega active about the fans that are not in the stadium in terms of monetization. Now, as I said as an introduction, before it was 99.9% .9 of their fans that were not in the stadium. Now it's 100%, but right. that's 0.1% makes the whole difference because it's the one that they cannot hear, they cannot uh, listen to, etc., etc. So we've seen actually for the last few months uh, a complete change uh, in terms of behavior, uh, about the fact that clubs need money. That's number one. Well, that always has been the case, but now they need even more. They are more flexible because there is less competition uh, when you negotiate whatever. And they're also more uh, creative in the fact that, hey, what can we do to monetize our fans as a B2C business? Because at the end, in five or 10 years, the only thing that can grow their revenue is the B2C, is a B2C um, revenue, digital B2C revenue. Um, and that's where we got, in a way, a bit lucky. Uh, I mean, definitely, uh, because not only uh, it, for us, at least as a company, it gave us time. We had like three or four months where it was a bit of a black hole. Teams were completely disrupted. They didn't know how to work. They didn't know what's going to happen to them. While for us, we still have cash. We're still running. We're still building. We're developing our stuff. And we got much stronger during that time 
uh, and I will say even more ready for what's happening now and what's going to happen in the next 18 months because of that. So for us, it was a good opportunity. Back to one thing that we announced, but that till now we haven't launched and it's still uh, like uh, so-so and especially it's fascinating to see the difference between US and the rest of the world in that hand is the, what we call the social pass, which was the idea that, hey, uh, the clubs uh, will want or may want to have you to, be, uh, to come with a certificate whatsoever uh, to come in the stadium. And it's not just the club, it will be the authorities who will say, hey, you, for, in the sports industry, in France, for example, uh, only people who have been either vaccinated or has uh, antibodies or whatever can go in the stadium. Is it awful and horrible? Yes, 100%. But that's not the point. The point is how can you restart these businesses and which is full of small uh, jobs in the FNB and everything to, to regenerate revenue. And eventually, in all fairness, I think that, and I'm sorry to say that, but except in US, I think in, in the rest of the world right now, at least in Europe, uh, in, and especially in the sports space, I can tell you right now that the, the clubs, uh, I mean, in France, uh, there will be at least 5,000, uh, there, there is too much. There is one this weekend and one next weekend with Paris Saint-Germain for the final or whatever. They have at least 10% or 20% of capacity of the stadium that's going to be filled up. And I think there is a meeting on Monday uh, to make it even more. And they are already talking about reopening most of the stadiums uh, by September, October. Of course, with not 100% capacity, and there will be a lot of rules, and it's going to be—it's not going to be always pleasant. But um, it's potentially it's a little bit better than what we could have expected. Um, but then, those people want to come. Uh, what cost? What's going to make me be able to go to go and not you? It's, it's, it's complicated, which also reminds me one thing that we've done, and you will have loved that, is uh, the last 45 days, more or less, like for three of our partners, which was Juventus, uh, AS Roma, and I think Galatasaray, if you were a fan token holder, you will hand, and the stadium was empty because they were playing you know, for the last 45 mm -hmm. days or the last 30 days, um, you will have been able to be on the LED panel, you know, that you have around the stadium with your face and a video. So we selected fan token holders and suddenly they were not in the tribune anymore or in the stadium, but they were on the LED from home. So there was this cool interaction and the fact that, hey, I am in the stadium, I'm supporting my team and that's mm -hmm. thanks to the fan tokens. Um, so that's the kind of things we are trying to push. That's really, again, I think this is such a important fact about what you guys have built in this world where obviously we can't be in the places that we normally were and especially supporting the teams and again sports is such an important part of our society as humans because it is a rallying call it is something that brings us together in a world where we're always brought apart and we're tried to be divorced from each other and separated from each other sports especially football and again, not American football, football is such a unifier. And so it is amazing to see what you've been able to do with that. And this idea of pass and this idea of being able to show, you know, a record of immunity, I think is something that in, Im immediately, as soon as COVID started becoming a thing back in, you know, early January, even though it might've been earlier before that, as data shows, I started speculating that someone was going to use blockchain to show a record of immunity. 
So you could basically have a QR code on your phone and you could scan into a building, wherever it may be, and say, yep, I've already had my test. I'm negative, And here you go. And so... Uh, just to, 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 to bounce on that, that that's yep. exactly how we, we, we planned it and we worked on that. Uh, the main issue is, is not the technical part, is the um, uh, sanitary part or the mm -hmm. health authorities part because right now there is not yet a decent uh, authority that can provide these uh, certificates because obviously that's not our job. We are just yep. a translator. We, we just read or, and, and transmit this information. And, and in the U.S., I do believe it would be completely impossible because of uh, the, 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 the mentality of, of the country. But in Europe, um, when we started to ask these questions, everybody said, yes, of course, I will do a test if I, it can allow me to go, to, uh, to go back to the stadium of the team that I want to support. And, and it's a, it's a no-brainer. Um, but hopefully, uh, and of course, nobody wants to be in a 1984 uh, kind of scenario and people think like, Everybody always thinks the worst when you think about innovation, so it's a bit yeah. frustrating sometimes. But um, we hopefully we not go, we're never going to launch that because uh, everything is going to be slightly better or not. <laughs> we'll see in the next few months. Uh, one thing that is sure is fans will always be there from for any teams, from any brand, from any IP. They will always be there, and I would say probably even more in the difficult moments. Uh, and that's what we need to capitalize on. And we need to capitalize on the fact that there is global funds. And the funds, again, let's not focus on the 50,000 people that were going in the stadium, mm -hmm. but let's focus on the 200 million that doesn't go to the stadium. That's right. And let's give them something. And that's the only way we can leverage and grow, at least in our industry, because sure, I'm in the blockchain and the crypto space, but our consumers eventually, not today, today the early adopters that we have, they come from the crypto space and, of course, part of it uh, from the sports space. But uh, in, 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 in years in years to come, our goal is to have thousands of millions of users that come from the traditional traditional uh, fan space. And these guys are the ones that we need to educate and, and onboard into our ecosystem. I could not agree more. And uh, it just makes the world of sense. And I hope, I really do hope that People that are listening here in the United States, if you are part of policy, if you are part of administration, that you're listening to this because this is a way to get us, you know, to expedite and to exponentially just increase the likelihood that we can get out of this lockdown for, you know, you know, in a shorter period of time. You know, I just, it's a great idea and I, I think it's a fantastic concept and I'm, I'm definitely going to be watching you uh, roll that out. I want to switch gears. Um, one of the things that we like to do with guests before we let them go is just get to know them a little bit more on a personal level. So we've talked a lot about what you've built and why you've built it, but what do you do? Hopefully you have a little bit of downtime um, in terms of things that you potentially put into your brain, whether it's, we, we always focus on two things, reading books, any kind of articles, anything that you've read recently that really resonated with you, something that was special and music. And I'm guessing as a Frenchman, you might have some interesting takes on that because everyone I've spoken to in your part of the world always has very unique music tastes. Uh, well, mine are very weird, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> so, the, the first, let's say, broad question about almost like hobbies or whatever you do when you are not uh, working, uh, I, 
I'm a very lucky guy. I mean, uh, I, um, I left school when I was 18 without the authorization of my parents. I don't have any degree, bachelor, whatever. I don't have anything. I just uh, created my first company because I was a geek since the age of six. And I was like, a no, not a noticed, but uh, definitely like a uh, first generation of geeks in uh, yeah, 90, uh, 93, 92, whatever. Um, and um, the way, so for me, my life is my work. But my work is not a work. It's just a hobby. Uh, uh, talking to you or doing my job, uh, I'm just lucky to be paid. But uh, it, it, it's just fun. I, I just work for fun. Also because I'm lucky because I had some proceed in the past uh, when, when I sold my companies. But still, this is just for fun. So for me, unfortunately, as my wife uh, would probably agree, uh, is uh, my hobby is related to my work. So when I have some time off, it's just that because I'm going to read or I'm going to go online, sorry, not going to read. I'm going to go online and, and, and look at stuff. But at some point, it's always going to be connected to what I want to achieve or what I want to do. So I'm a, I'm a very bad person in terms of um, talking about hobby. On the other end, I live in Malta. So yes, sure, Sunday we go on a boat and uh, tomorrow we go on a beach. So, you know, you, you have this life that is, okay, that's not that bad. Uh, and my life is amazing, so I'm not going to complain, obviously. But um, in terms of books, I'm actually, uh, maybe because I left school very early and because I hated school, uh, but I don't read books almost at all. Mm. I read a, a lot, a lot, a lot news. I'm fascinated by news. That's for, for me, the news I'm watching today is the history that will happen in 20 years. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, I believe that what I'm facing today will help me to understand more because I lived, I, I'm living it from like from a lot of detail, um, will help me to understand what will happen in ten years, and therefore when we will be in ten years, I will remember that a little bit easily, easier, uh, easier. But um, so yeah, I don't, I almost don't read any book, uh, which is bad. And, and music, music, uh, music. Me, I'm, um, I like uh, how do you call that? Soundtrack music. So 100% or 99% of the music I'm listening. Or like epic, epic soundtrack, silly uh, Hans Zimmer and other guys like this uh, that are amazing and give me rather inspiration and energy. Uh, but it's a very weird way of listening to me. Let's put it that way. I was expecting something like air or. Uh, I mean, yes, it's but not anymore. I'm really into a, a movie soundtrack music. <laughs> I get it. Where can people learn and get involved with Socius or Chili's? Uh, I guess on Twitter. Uh, I mean, uh, I'm available by e by email or whatever, but Twitter is the best. Alex underscore Dreyfus. Uh, Twitter, it's uh, Socius or it's Chili's, C-H-I-L-I-Z or C-H-Z as a token. Um, why Chili's, by the way, because you didn't ask me, but my former company, uh, was called Chili. Actually, was called Chili Gaming. I'm talking like 15 years ago or 14 years ago, mm. uh, and we ha we had a business called Chili Gaming, and it was Chili Poker, Chili Bet, Chili Casino, Chili uh, Bingo, Chili whatever you want. And I have like 200 domains more or less since 15 years that I acquired over time with the root uh, of Chili, and that came from the uh, famous uh, British billionaire um, uh, Sir Brun uh, Richard Branson of Virgin. Because at that time, at least 15 or 20 years ago, I wanted to create 
a brand that would become a neutral and that can be attached to any kind of business. And uh, But eventually I sold everything. But uh, Chili's uh, 12 or 14 years ago was a trademark that I put in terms of a loyalty point for our poker business. And when I sold our poker business eight years ago, I kept all the IPs actually because we sold only the technology. Uh, and so we just revived that uh, IP because Chili's is... The, the, I mean, Chili's is literally like for the paper, paper, chili papers or whatever. So it's kind of a neutral and a mainstream uh, name for a potential cu- currency or digital asset in the future. Well, this was just an amazing conversation, Alex. Thank you so much for what you've done thus far. As I said, the idea of helping those out there around the world who desperately miss being part of their team, of that unifying factor is just really something that I think very highly of. I obviously miss my teams, you know, be able to root for them and being a part of that, you know, desperately. And so thank you, Alex, for that and everything that you've done thus far. And I'm hoping that we can catch up with you towards the end of the year. Maybe, you know, some of us will be out of lockdown and uh, we'll see how things are going. But thanks again for coming on the show, Alex. Thanks a lot. And I forgot to mention that we have UFC in US and that's actually our first IP that we pushed in US and you will see soon very much more. Thanks for listening in to Baselayer. If you like the show and all the different guests that we've brought on, please give a like and subscribe on Apple or Spotify or wherever you do listen to the podcast. Also, if you want to have a conversation or reach out to me, you can reach me out on Twitter at David J. Nage. And let's talk there. Or also you can find me on LinkedIn. And I look forward to having great conversations with you all about digital assets.